0: Dental.com.
1: He this is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the last-minute blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and uh, our, our our third member, Jamie Rivers, on the road. Right. He is with the Valley's uh, sports folks. So we've got Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN and all the blues broadcasts joining us. Alex, what's up, man?
0: What's up, guys? I get to step in for Jamie Rivers. I will bring yeah. my best non-pro athlete opinions into the show. Appreciate that. That's what we do <laughs> as <Yeah>. well. <laughs> you know,
1: I was, I was uh, over the weekend, uh, I watched a lot of baseball, obviously watched hockey, which was great, but I was kind of thinking about this, so... I saw a guy somehow through social media that a legitimate authentic Cardinals jersey printed up, okay, with the back name plate saying Mazelock, Mazelock and where the where the number would go, it's a money sign. Oh. Okay. That's
0: interesting. <laughs> all right.
1: So, my my question is this, all right? We all get frustrated with our teams. We all get frustrated with maybe leagues and stuff sometimes, but there are honestly fans on social media where i want to say to them maybe you need to find something else to do
2: yeah, and here's the other thing too <laughs> is if is if this guy is giving moseloc crap because of uh, how he handles his money thus the dollar sign i'd ask this gentleman or lady how much that jersey costs right it- like, Who's spending
1: their money well here? <laughs> right. and Because at that point, you are buying in to the philosophy in which that you hate, which is making the DeWitts more money so that they could pocket themselves and not spend on players. Right. So I would think that you're just feeding into the thing that you're rallying and raging against.
0: <laughs> well, the first thing I thought of was I think the jersey should have DeWitts' name if there's going to be a money sign on the back, right? Dude, 100%. Like Moe's just spending the DeWitts' money with That's that one. That's an even better point. And, yeah. it's, and, it's,
1: such, and it's so amazing to me. In 2022, what we know as sports fans, the the knowledge that we are able to get our, ourselves by just reading and, and you know that it's not lock that that that's that's it's just sometimes I just want to tell some of these people like, hey, man. Maybe you want to get into cars or meetings or, like, <laughs> there's hobbies out no, there. There's lots of other things that you could do that will make you happy and fulfill you and not just make you angry all the that time. You
2: know what? And watching a Blues team that did what they did over the weekend, that'll make you kind of happy, don't you think? Boy, I'm
1: telling you what. I was excited about that game on Friday. Oh, like, yeah. I was really looking forward to it all day, and I, w- I was so paranoid that, I, that, that, they, were, that you know, they weren't going to bring it. But, boy, they sure did, man.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I was thinking about that, too. Like, there hasn't been a game this season that leading up to that game I've been excited for, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like, you're always excited for the games, but, you know, when you play Nashville on the weekend, yeah, sure, at the time that's great, but that was in the middle of the season, and there really wasn't a battle. Like, they had no other games that were set up for a battle for second place on a Friday night on a homestand against the Minnesota Wild, who had been playing well. So just the way that that game, it felt like the playoffs. It it really felt like the playoffs and that's why I think there was so much anticipation for it. And honestly, it lived up to that anticipation.
2: Okay. Go I was ahead. gonna say all I was gonna say was the Saturday game. Yeah. So there was the Cardinals Day baseball game, mm-hmm. then there was the Blues game Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. And my oldest was Live in the Mid Twenties Dream because she did both and she had a change of clothes in between because <laughs> all the pictures on social media, there they are in their Cardinal gear, out in the sun, having some beer. A couple hours later, there they are in their in their blues stuff, watching blues hockey. That's amazing. That's what a life. great day to be alive. <laughs>
1: dude! That's so awesome. <laughs> and be
2: 23. Yeah, I was
1: just going to say, the only thing is, is if I do that on Saturday, I'm not coming to work on oh, Monday. Oh, yeah. Because on a Because there, there's, there's no way. Because my first thought was, well, when did you nap? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think I saw somebody post on social media on Saturday that next year there is a day where it is Cardinals at one, uh, uh, the soccer team at four, mm-hmm. and then the Blues at seven or some configuration oh, boy, of that. I want to get a vendor's license right now. Dude, how great is that, though? How great is that for downtown? It'll be bumping all day before and after. And then and think man, about
0: that- if there's a Battle Hawks game later on that weekend, too, if they're oh. back in St. Oh, yeah, Louis. You even
1: think about oh. that, yeah,
0: too. You Saturday, you get all of those, and then Sunday, you get a Battle Hawks game. Like, that's huge for downtown, and it's huge for those games because, like Jeff was talking about, when you get somebody going to Bush Stadium, you get a group of people that are like, well, let's just go to the blues game. Right. Rather than, oh well, we gotta pack up, get tickets, go to the blues game tonight. We're already downtown. Let's see what tickets are. Or let's just go over to Ballpark Village. That's in my opinion is the coolest part about the playoffs, whether it's baseball or hockey, because you get that ballpark village view. Like mm-hmm. I loved that Boston Bruins run because we would be broadcasting at Enterprise Center, Scott Trade at the time, and you know, you had the people there for the road games against Boston, but then they would always pan to the bush stadium or the ballpark village camera and you'd see that crowd like that, that gets you even more amped up for that time of the year. When you see that many people downtown,
2: what I love is when they, during the, during the blues game, especially or the Cardinals game, whatever, when they say, yeah, and here's everybody over at, uh, over at uh, Ballpark Village watching inside the bar there where they got the big screen, and they'll show them, and everybody's just watching, and then you know the delay of the TV, and the delay of the <laughs> right. TV. And then,
0: oh, there we are!
2: <laughs> right as they cut away. Right? And, and you're guy. sitting on your couch
0: going, Wave now! Wave now! <laughs> <laughs> the one guy that slow pans his eyes to the screen like,
2: are we on camera? Oh, or we're on camera. Oh, hey. Uh, hey. Uh, oh, hey. If and we're somebody gone. point a large pretzel at the TV, that's
1: us. But you know, I, I tell you what, and I'm not going to make this anything more than what I'm about to say, but like right now in our country, we are so divided about so many different things. But man, I'll tell you what, when it gets down to brass taxes, are you a blues fan? Mm-hmm. Are you a Cardinals fan? Well, then let us unite and root for yep. that together. Yeah, and this is just, again, getting into the best part of the year, because in just a couple of months, it's going to be hockey the end, hockey baseball football all of that going on at the right. same time and good lord baby jesus i can't wait for that too <laughs> not that i 'm excited about football season, no, really not
2: at all so
1: uh, so one thing that I wanted to ask, and I actually meant to ask this to Jamie last week, but it just didn 't come to pass, but like this Minnesota Wild team, for all intents and purposes, at least for me, they kind of snuck up on us you know and, and went on one hell of a run, and I know that they got flurry at the trade deadline, but it seems like Talbot 's still been playing really well too. Alex, where did this team come from and do you think that they are a team that's built to go deep into the playoffs?
0: I think they're built for one of those magic seasons right now, and I think this team came from they've always had the makings, but I think they needed a new identity in the off season, especially when they moved on from the Ryan Suter's and the Zach Parise's because these were the older guys. It reminds me a lot of what the Blues were when David Backus was here with the Blues. Like they felt they wanted to keep Backus here, but they felt like they were transitioning into a newer, younger group, and so they had to do that. That was Minnesota. They gave those guys a lot of money. They never got the job done. Bill Guerin takes over and says, we got to start moving on from these contracts. And what took place was they kind of invoked a youth movement for this team. And if you look at where they're at right now, you got Greenway and Felino and Erickson Eck as one of the most. They've only allowed two even strength goals this entire season. On the ice. That line has allowed two even strength goals. doesn't seem fair. (laughs) Doesn't seem real to me. (laughs) Really doesn't. But I also think what this is is Bill Guerin and his team knowing that the next few seasons are going to be tough for them because Kaprizov's money comes into play, the buyout money for Suter and Parise kick in, and so they're not going to have a whole lot of cap money to play with. So they're going to have to have the younger guys step up. So this was kind of that final year for them to say, like, let's go in and see what kind of damage we could do in the playoffs. That's one of the teams that, that scares me just, just because of how physical
2: they can be. Yeah. We're not exactly built that way to go in with our sticks up with a lot, a lot of players. I just don't – man – they just worry me in the playoffs.
1: And and, and is that and, and Alex, where are we at as far as first round potential matchups at this point? Who are we
0: looking? At? So I, I think Dom at the Athletic, uh, who does a bunch of analytics work for hockey, he put out a piece on Saturday that was percentages of likelihood of the opponent. And the Blues and Minnesota right now are 81% likely to play against each other. So, I mean, it's pretty much set in stone. Now, Nashville is still on the heels of both of the Minnesota Wild and the Blues. So they could catch up with you, but they have to do some damage. Like, I think they have to win out maybe an overtime loss that comes into play, and the Blues would have to play 500 hockey. So I think that's set in stone. Uh, Dallas is still there also. But I don't really think there's going to be that much wiggle room. So I mean, if you're going to go off percentages, 81% likelihood of those two teams going head to head. It seems like it's a, it's a matter of who's going to have home ice advantage. And as we
2: start talking about playoffs and matchups and things like that, it's nice that Bennington did or was a part of what happened the other night to give him a little bit of uh, a little bit of confidence going yeah. into where well, we're going. Just
1: some positivity in general with that guy. We just need – I think we all just needed to see it. Yeah. yeah. Well, including him.
0: I- I- including him. Yeah. I mean, that's been the biggest thing because think about it. He hadn't started a game since the Edmonton Oilers won when he got pulled in. Prior to that, he hadn't won a game since February 27th, and that was when he shut out the Blackhawks. So you figure the games that he had performed in, he was getting taken out of or he was losing. And, like, the game that he lost against the New York Islanders back in New York – like, I, I'm sure you guys remember that, but that was a game that he allowed two goals and they lost – So, like, Bennington has just been not getting luck. He hasn't been playing well also, but there just has been luck tied into it. And going down this stretch, I just felt like, for some reason, they're going to need Jordan Bennington. And that's nothing against Husso, but it is so difficult to do what the Blues did in 2018-2019 of have a goaltender, let him play from January until June, and have that be the guy. I mean, even Jake Allen had to come in, I think it was 15 or 16 games at the end of the regular season, in that year that they won the Stanley cup. So Bennington's may not be used as much, but you needed that game. If you're Jordan Bennington, because you had those momentum shifting saves that gave him the confidence. Okay.
1: So then how do you handle the goalie situation going forward, Alex? Because I would assume you, you still have to ride Husso cause she's clearly your number one at this point, but you got to get Bennington those
0: minutes too. Well, and especially because you have so many games to play now. I think it, it, it relaxes a little bit now from what the last couple of weeks have been. But like this week you play three games and then you got the back to back on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday against Minnesota, Nashville. So if my goaltender is Billy, I'm probably going to play him tomorrow night against Boston. I'm going to play him against Buffalo. And then I'm probably going to play him against Minnesota again on Saturday because that's a big time game. But Jordan Minnington's isn't going to play against the Nashville Predators. And that's not the New York Islanders. That's the Nashville Predators who are fighting for a playoff spot. So I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, you guys feel this as well. Billy so looks like the number 1 guy. Mm-hmm. So he's getting the number 1 games, and then the back-to-backs Jordan Bennington will get into.
2: I couldn't be happier with what Nick Letty has done since he's yes. gotten here. Just fantastic. Just very calm with the puck. Nothing super, super flashy, but right away on the penalty kill and on the power play, and just very steady back there.
1: Can I give you a nickname? Sure. Steady Letty. Oh, steady
2: Letty. I like waiting it. waiting for it, Donnie. There it is. I'm going to need a uh, spelling for the (laughs) tattoo. But my point here is, if you could give us any sort of update on Krug, because you can go imagine
0: when Krug comes back as well.
1: Yeah, they haven't even had a game with, I mean, outside of what? The
0: Capitals Five game.
1: minutes or something before yeah, Krug yeah. got hurt? Where One they and a half periods, essentially,
0: I think, because Krug left in that second period against Washington. So Krug skated Friday, I believe, before the Minnesota Wild game. Now, we hear that they're skating, but know that these guys are on the ice usually at like 7 a.m., a couple of days before you see them with the actual team. So the fact that he and Tyler Bozek were both skating is good news. Um, for Tory Krug, it was an upper body injury. I think we all knew it was like the wrist or the hand, whatever it was, so he could still skate. So Craig Berube said that they want to get a full practice in with him. Contact, obviously, is usually the biggest threshold that those guys need to surpass before they can enter a game. I would imagine when you're looking at Tori Krug, my guess would be he's going to hopefully get into one of these road games because they'll have a full practice today. They were off yesterday, which if the team's off, Torrey Krug's skating. You get a full practice today and Tori Krug is on the ice, and then you probably let him go with the team, maybe skip the game in Boston, play in Buffalo. But you want to get one big practice in with some physicality into it. But, I mean, I would imagine by the end of this week, you're going to see Tory Krug back in the lineup for this team, which is going to be huge for this defense.
1: Boy, that's going to make such a big difference. And I know that this is a player that we're probably not going to talk a lot about going forward. But I'm very curious as to, you know, Callie Rosen got – what, three, four games in a row, I think? Alex, what mm-hmm. are you seeing from him? Or or why do you think that he w- was continuing to sort of get that call? Obviously, Krug being hurt has a lot to do with that.
0: But. Well, but, I mean, it's pretty interesting that he's getting that call over Nico Mikola. I mean, Nico yeah. Mikola looked like, for us, this was going to be the guy that's going to be playing with Colton Pareko in the next right. coming years. Yeah. But Callie Rosen, and, and I mean, anytime, and I know uh, Jamie Rivers on the show always used to talk about Carl Gunnerson called him uh, vanilla ice cream because mm-hmm. you always knew what he was going to give you. It was always there for you. Craig Ruby basically said Callie Rosen plays like Carl Gunnarsson. And any time a coach is saying that about your player, that means he's predictable on the ice. And when you're predictable as a defenseman, you're going to play. And he's been really good. The zone exits that he has provided for this Blues team, playing with Robert Bortuzzo on that third pairing, it's just reliable. And that's what the Blues need right now more than anything, not turning the puck over. And then after you talk about one other guy who's not a household
2: name, I want to talk about Torpchenko. And I just think he's continuing to entertain. When I see his jersey number on the ice, not that I'm not paying attention anyway, but I watch him away from the puck. The guy just seems to just keep elevating his game. And he's a. Very, and I guess you're supposed to do this. Very different player on the fourth line than what he's been on the third line.
0: Yeah. Tell me if you guys like this, because I was thinking about this. When you traded Oscar Sundquist, you lost a fan favorite. A lot of people were upset about that mm-hmm. one. Tough trade, but you got Nick Letty in it. Steady Letty, as Donnie likes to call him. Yes. <laughs> what Toropchenko and the other guy I'll throw in there is Nathan Walker. What those two guys are providing... Does it not remind you of what Sunquist and Barbashev provided this team in 2018, 2019? Yeah, 100%. Now, the goal scoring, although Nathan Walker's got, like, what, seven goals in nine games this season? Like, the guy's a freak on the ice. It's incredible. Those guys are providing maybe not the offense that – Barbashev and Sunquist provided, but those guys are providing the energy that the Blues have not had for the fourth line. Think about the players that they've gone through this season. When you're talking about the Dakota Joshua's and the Clem Costins and the James Neal's. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has gotten a shot there. It's been a revolving door, but nobody has been to Craig Baruby's liking. Toropchenko steps in and immediately he makes an impact. Nathan Walker to me is like the biggest mystery because I don't know why he hasn't stuck this season, but he's been up and down. I think what you're getting with Toropchenko is what Oscar Sundquist provided to this team before he was traded. Just a guy that everyone in that locker room loved to be around, and as soon as he steps on the ice, he's going to do something that is memorable for the rest of the team, and it gets the energy up. A hit, a check, going to the front of the net. Maybe it's a shot on goal that the team was looking for some offense. Toropchenko's providing that. He's going to be one of the many X-Factors going into a playoff series. If you play Minnesota... You're going to have to have people who are willing to stand up to the Greenways and the Felinos and the guys who want to get nasty. Torpchenko's like, bring it on. Let's do this. I'm big, I'm fast, and I can get behind your defenseman.
1: Boy, and he he just has that that bit of nasty. Mm, and man. then also, too, on skates, he looks like he's 12 feet tall. And I know that's not the case. But, man, he just
0: looks like a freaking big Every guy, time man. He Maybe does your it, TV. Do but... you not confuse him for Colton Pareko on the ice? He's very easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I love the fact
2: that he gets behind the net. He gets... In the corner and digs out that puck and just throws it back out to the blue line and then beelines to the front of the net. I just love it.
1: So that fourth line, though, once Tyler Bozak is back, we've got it. It's going to be Walker. It's going to be. It'll be Walker, Torpchenko, and Bozak. Right. That's what I would
0: think. Yeah, that's what I right? would think as well. And yeah. you know,
1: we have not. That was the first time that we have spoken about Clem Costin on this podcast in weeks. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Like weeks. I think it's over. I mean, I it's, it's going to be. A, it's going to be a change of scenery for that cat.
0: Yeah. In the offseason, probably, don't really you think? It sucks because I liked saying Clem Shady on the I broadcast know. for yeah. you all the time, man. I mean, it had legs there. You guys, you guys brought it up all the time, and I'm like, I'm popping this for <laughs> Jeff Burton in the <laughs> show. eight
2: minutes, it had legs, man. It's just kind of like his career. Here. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. There it is. There I it is. I shouldn't have said that because
0: he still has plenty of time. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with him because yeah. he does – Look, top nine is going to be really tough for him to crack, especially whatever happens with the Vladimir Tarasenko thing in the offseason. Jake Neighbors looks like he's going to be a part of this team next year. Essentially, you got 11 guys who can play in your top nine, and none of those are Clem Costin. So you have to be a fourth-liner. But the problem is he wasn't playing like a fourth liner for Craig Berube. Because Craig Berube wants Torupchenko's, Nathan Walker's. He said it, I want predictability. And Clem Costin, he would be unpredictable. He'd dump the puck in. He wouldn't go after it. He'd take penalties in the offensive zone. That's not a fourth line for Craig Berube. For the longest time, he was a guy that they just couldn't trust. In the third period, you would not say Clem Costin's name. Mm. And you have to have guys who could play in the third period for you. That's what Torupchenko and Nathan Walker... Heck, Mackenzie McEachern's been able to do that in the short time that he's been up. So I don't know if it's going to be some type of move in the offseason to where he's possibly attached to it. Or maybe they just have a, a serious conversation with him of, say, like, we need you to play this way. The hard part is he's only 20, 21 years old. Right. right. And he's got the offensive talent.
1: We've seen it. It's, it's, it's so crazy to me. And I think if there's anything that 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 I have learned over the course of the last few years as a sports fan is just you know, you never know when the maturity button is going to kick in on any of these guys. You know what I mean? The way that Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrie were at 19 is not the way that Clem Costin is, or was at 19. And so, you know, just as soon as I say, Oh, maybe it's about time to cut the cord. I go, Really? Should you, you you, really you, because you never know. You know, you never know when that you know when that light is going to snap on. Speaking of uh, Cairo, real quick. So this is his issues here are, are legitimately a lingering sickness, illness, not like some kind of lingering concussion,
0: something or the other. I don't think so. I, I mean, he skated on that road trip with the team, which tells me he's not injured because you wouldn't be on the ice if you're injured. If it's an illness, you're going to go out there and skate and see if you can fight through it and maybe. I mean, it's gone through this Blues team a little bit there for a while. I mean, Logan Brown missed some time for the team. Like, they've had guys in and out because of illnesses. David Perron, I think, missed a game because he was sick. I don't think it's an injury, although that hit from Zidane oh, Char the God, other night. That could have made it an injury. I, I don't know how he I don't know how he returned to that game. That's why I love hockey, because those guys bang their heads against the board at full speed, and then they're like, oh, now we're good, let's just keep playing. I think Jamie Rivers took a puck to the mouth and then came back the next game. Like They're just men out there. No, but The
2: puck to the mouth wasn't even during a game. That's true. It was more in the locker room afterwards.
0: But I don't think it's a lingering issue in terms of injury for Jordan Cairo, I do think it's just tr- something trying to work through their system. But I also think it's an opportunity for Craig Berube and the coaching staff to talk with him while he's out and try and help their game along because it's obvious they want a little bit more from him on the defensive oh side. Oh my gosh,
2: they're a different team when he's out there, when him and 18 are out there throwing yeah. the puck around.
0: But, but it
1: also, and you're right, but it also seems like Kairu's play has kind of shifted this year. You know what I mean? Like it feels like at the beginning of the year, you know, one of the things that Jamie was talking to us about is he was doing everything. Oh yeah. I mean, he was doing, he he was, I mean, he was a man amongst men sort of thing. And I just don't feel like we've seen that like, like recently, as far as the defensive end. Or and Jamie said it last week on the podcast. Where when was the last time you saw Kairou break one free? Yeah, just, uh, down, down, just the, straight down the down the line,
2: just straight line, just get the puck and go with it. But That's again, the he's not doing it.
1: But you know what? Again, I get frustrated, and then I go, "Oh, he's twenty two. Right. right? He's twenty three. <laughs> he's still, as Jamie says, growing into his his grown up body." And I think you know, I think it just still. I just can't wait to see where these guys are going to be in a couple of years. Speaking of Kyrie, speaking of Thomas. Yeah. I mean, it. It just really looks like the special kind of players that we were hoping for so long that would be here and would stay here are going to be here for a minute with these two guys. Yeah.
0: I think Jordan Kairo's going through what Robert Thomas went through in those first couple of seasons. And you guys remember the first year that he was with the team, he was a healthy scratch for some time. And they mm-hmm. told him, like, sit up top, watch, we want you to learn. I remember talking with Thomas and he said, they just want me to see the game from a different angle. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. The next season, he wasn't a, a true centerman for the Blues until I think it was last season or maybe two seasons ago where he was like, you're a centerman. His first two years in the NHL, they had him as a right winger. So I think Jordan Kyrou's learning through this style. And Jamie has talked about this on the fast lane. I think he's talked about this on the podcast with you guys as well. It's so interesting in terms of his development because with him, you want him to play like the offensive superstar that he is with that speed. But Craig Berube is so reliant on you got to be a 200 foot player mm-hmm. like robert thomas grew into that this season tori was just as reliable on the penalty kill as he was on the power play so for kairu it's how do you how do you mix and match the you can outskate anybody in this game right now we've seen it and you got the skills but we also don't want you to try and get too fancy once you cross the blue line and turn the puck over because that's what results in goals and that I think is the learning experience that Kyru's going through right now.
1: I find it so amazing the and we talked about it a bit ago, but like just the 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 player development portion of this that each team has to go through and the different coaches and the different roles that they play to me it's amazing how psychological this is mm-hmm. as much as. You know, the talent aspect of it. The talent is there, Mm -hmm. but it's the learning aspect. That takes a while for this all to catch up. And I'm so fascinated how a coach will sit on one guy and not the other guy and know when to pull those th- those kinds of moves, man. That, to me, is so fascinating about the development well, of Well, and guys. it's
2: like, like he said, when, he fir- when they first started using him, he was in a different position than he was used to. Remember, that was the story on Justin Falk a couple of yeah. years ago. And, boy, did he have himself a weekend. Boy. Holy cow. There's another one that we used to rag on, and can you imagine yeah. that guy not on our team Do, right the, now?
1: The way in which... Which that he moves the puck the, the way in which that he there are just days and this weekend a couple of those days where it is noticeable every time that that cat is on the ice and he is he's playing out of his mind right now
0: it really is and it's all about the roles that you play in going back to the Robert Thomas thing Joey Vitale had a fascinating uh, post-game conversation with Curbs and I a couple of nights ago and we were talking about how you grow a player like Robert Thomas who Started in the league. Think about who he played with when he started with the Blues. It was Tyler Bozak and Pat Maroon. Like, you talk about two (laughs) guys that you want to learn from. It's those two on the ice. And then you've got Ryan O'Reilly with you at all times. Guys like Austin Matthews, when they're thrusted into the NHL, they're the superstars. But he's not playing with somebody on the third line and learning the ropes. You're the star that's supposed to take Toronto from a team that can't win in the playoffs to a Stanley Cup champion. Connor McDavid is the exact same. That's why Justin Falk is so fascinating, because Justin Falk with Carolina, he was the guy. You're supposed to be the number one defenseman on our team to take us to a Stanley Cup championship. That was not an easy task for him because it was a team that was growing. He comes to the Blues. He wants to be a top defenseman, but they're using him in a third pairing role on the left side, which just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then the more comfortable you get, the more... The more reliant the coaching staff is on you as a number one defenseman, the more you play into it. I asked Jamie on our pregame Saturday, I said, Who is the number one defenseman on this Blues team? Who do you guys think the number one defenseman is? Uh,
1: I think it's Justin Falk.
0: Uh, I would have said Pareco. And see, that's what's fascinating. I would have said Pareco as well. If you look at the numbers from February 27th up until now, the plus minus, which I know some people hate it, some people love it, he's the best defenseman in the National Hockey League in terms of wow. plus minus oh, since wow. February 27th. That's a number one defenseman. That means he's not on the ice for goals against, and he's on the ice for goals for. But Justin Falk is a plus 34, 35, which is one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League all season long. You're playing with two number one defensemen right now, right? And you're not playing with a elite like these aren't Victor Hedman's, these aren't Alex Petrangelo's, but you're playing with two guys who are considered. You go to any team, you put Falk or Pareko on the Edmonton Oilers; they're elite number one defensemen's. Um, since you brought up
2: uh, Alex Petrangelo, our old
0: friend,
1: <laughs> our ex, uh... our ex, <laughs> <laughs> but never we're forget. The, we're at the point though that we can talk about it, right? You yeah, know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It's not anything. We're not soaking in the room anymore. in the dark. I'm
2: not trying to be catty. <laughs> At all, uh, but from what I understand, are they are they in the playoffs
1: currently? Are they are out?
2: out of if... the playoffs oh, currently. That's a I shame. Think. I didn't mean to bring it up. That yeah, way. that's Sorry about that. why would you do
0: that? Yeah, I
1: really went from like caring about that team and like kind of like oh man they're all right to like
0: really you I hate them. them. Yeah.
1: Like I hate them and, a lot.
0: And I think the reason I'm with you guys. Like I strongly dislike the Vegas Golden Knights, but I think the reason is they're trying to win in the opposite of how teams win in hockey. Like The teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, when they won in Chicago, they had the elite superstars. But they drafted those guys, and they developed those guys. And props to Vegas, because they've done a great job as an expansion team to be this competitive. Like Seattle right now is going, what the hell did you do to us, guys? A couple years too late. late. Unfortunately, you guys ruined the expansion draft for us because you stole things. But (laughs) Vegas right now is to the point of, well, we just want superstars on our team. The Jack Eichels, the Mark Stones, mm-hmm. the Max Pacioretty's, the Alex Petrangelo's. The problem is they're not taking into, into consideration the team chemistry. When you just trade away a Marc-Andre Fleury, that's ruining an entire hockey team. Because he was the heart and soul of that team. That's like trading away Ryan O'Reilly right now for the Blues. And then on top of it, you had Ryan Reeves, who was basically an a, 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 uh, adopted Vegas resident. And then you get rid of that guy because you have all of this money that you want to be focusing on these top players. Sooner or later, they're going to have to trade more guys. And you can't win. The Edmonton Oilers are proving it right now, although they're playing better than I thought they would be. You cannot win a Stanley Cup with three superstars and hope everything else figures itself out. You got to win as a group rather than just with certain superstars. Man, oh
1: man! Well, it's going to be my favorite time of the year: playoff hockey. It's coming, fellas. Here it comes. And and you know what? It was nice on Friday, though. It kind of had like a little playoff feel to it. Mm-hmm. Just even watching the game, the kind of the anticipation of it all.
2: And the and attendance
1: was. It looked like it was good over I think the it weekend. Was sold as well. out both nights. Nice. Yeah, good should yes. be here we come. All right, last minute Blues podcast. Thank you, Alex, very much. Nice. Thank you, man. I for love doing this for the man, Jamie Rivers. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, share us with your hockey-loving friends. And as always, let's go Blues! The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. On November 13th, it's the dawning of a new era. When the NFL debuts in Germany, live on NFL Network. Brady and the Bucs. Touchdown Tampa Bay! PK and the Seahawks. Puts the ball up. Making a catch. Wake up and watch with the world. It's Sunday morning football. Live from Munich. Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Only on NFL Network.
0: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
2: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday
0: season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.